Hi, everybody. Welcome to a riveting new episode of Brown-Eyed Junicorn. I'm your host, Hannah Brown. We're back. How has everyone's weeks been? Um, I have to go into a couple things before I talk about our favorite reality TV shows. First and foremost, I hope you all listened to yesterday's episode with Moni about the Bachelor Women Tell All episode because she's fantastic and I loved our conversation. I had a great time. So if you haven't listened to that, make sure to check it out. Also, housekeeping things really quick. If you can't get enough of me, please feel free to head on over to patreon.com slash browneyedjunicorn. And check it out. For just five bucks a month, you get access to all of the bonus episodes. Um, And I have a great time with it. It's like my cozy little like fireside nook where I get to just like throw extra shade, talk extra shit. Um, It's a really dope group. So feel free to check that out. Um, Also, if you don't follow me already, follow me at Hannah A. Brown on Instagram and Twitter. And if you would be so kind head on over to iTunes and leave me a rating and a review. As always, I welcome any kind of feedback, positive, negative, I guess, um, constructive feedback. Um, so if you have any feedback, any ideas, any thoughts, feel free to email me at browneyedjunicorn at gmail.com or just DM me at Hannah A. Brown on Instagram. Um, I feel like we have some new people following me, following the pod, following me on Twitter. So welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for listening and following me and being here. Um, this has been a week, y'all, first of all. Voting happened. You know, I we all pretty much know where I politically lean. I don't need to tell y'all who I voted for, but I will say, what a week. I love how, like, I got DMs from people, like, telling me who to vote for. And, like, no shade, but I'm also like, oh, wow, I hadn't already, like, done my own research and made up my own mind. Like, my dad literally texted me the morning of the fucking election. I'm sorry, the, you know, the voting super Tuesday to be like good morning honey make sure to vote today vote for x love you I'm like dad I'm an informed individual I can make this choice on my own and I want to exercise my right to make this choice on my own I was like everyone get off my dick I'm gonna go vote so I'm happy that's over um I don't want to talk about it further. Also, if one more fucking person brings up coronavirus to me, ew, oh my God, corona. Ooh, like, yes, it sucks. It's scary. Wash your fucking hands. Use some Purell. Lisa Rinna the shit out of your airplane seat, but live your fucking life. I don't know what else to tell you. Sure, coronavirus could kill you. Also, you know, some asshole texting and driving could kill you. I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm just saying, let's not be alarmist. Let's just wash our hands, stay positive, send good vibes to people who are already affected by coronavirus, and keep on living, okay? Everyone's told me for years that Diet Coke is going to kill me. Everything is going to give us cancer. There, This is the thing about anxiety, guys. You can worry about something. I'm sure I've said this before, so sorry if I'm repeating myself. You could worry about something all day, or day, all night long, and you still won't know whether or not it's going to happen to you. So how's about we just not rob ourselves of the present moment where things are good and enjoy them and then cross those bridges when we get there and also wash your hands. Um, Moving on. Oh, okay. So I am getting over a little bug. It's not coronavirus. I'm, I just had a little, a little cough, you know, cold situation and it's been a stubborn little fucker um but I also refuse to like sit down or rest so it's partially my fault but I was at Trader Joe's yesterday and I was getting a sensible maybe 15 items 
and all the lines were pretty even. So I get in line behind this like sprightly little woman in silver. Like she's like, ooh, she's getting a lot of like clementines. She's getting a lot of groceries. And she didn't forget her reusable bag. She had her reusable bag. So, you know, we love to see that. We love an environmentally conscious queen. What we don't love is a queen who can't read the fucking room. So she's just taking her fucking time. This guy's just swiping all of her shit. And I am sniffling like a motherfucker. And I do not have a tissue. Um, So I'm like, just like, it's just pouring out of my nose. I know this is disgusting, but like, truly it was gross. And I, I didn't have anything to wipe my nose on. So I just wanted to like fucking pay for my groceries and go home and like figure out my, my nose situation, my snot situation, if you will. Um, I'm sorry. I know this is disgusting, but she's just taking her fucking time and she's putting all of her like reusable bags in her cart slowly before she's even paying. So she's just taking her fucking time. And I'm waiting there with like my small basket of shit. And she's like, she finally pays. She's like making small talk with the cashier. And then she's like about to leave. And she goes, oh, and by the way, because he can't start. So this is why it's annoying that she took her time to pay. He couldn't start swiping my groceries to get me the fuck out of there until she fucking paid. So she, she's like, na, 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 putting her shit in her fucking cart in her reusable bags. Again, we love an environmentally conscious queen. Um, And. Then she's like, oh, by the way, she's finally about to fuck off. And then she's like, by the way, do you have any quarters? And so then he has to take another 35 seconds to explain which little counter to go to to get quarters. And I'm like, can we all just read the room and fucking not here? Come on, get out of my way. I finally got like got to my car and I had like some old McDonald's napkins in my car and everything was fine. But it was like a really anxiety-inducing three minutes at the T-Joe's. And I think a good trip to T-Joe's can almost scratch the same itch as like a good home goods or Target trip. Like it can be medicinal, just stock it up on your healthy but reasonably priced goods. But when when Trader Joe's has an aggressive, like overwhelming, chaotic energy, then I can't enjoy it anymore. And that's where this was whilst my nose was running. So it was my personal hell. It was purgatory. Okay, one mother... What are words? One more thing I want to say. We love our Bravo, okay? We love our Vanderpump Rules. Mm, I mean, TBD. But like in general, we love our Vanderpump Rules. We love our housewives. We love our summer house. Y'all, I had Hannah Burner. I interviewed her earlier today. She's going to be on the pod, I think, next week. I'm going to release it soon because I I cannot keep this interview to myself. But I just want to say she's a fucking queen. Everything you love about her on the show, you would love about her in real life. She's fantastic. So get excited for that episode. But I digress. We love our Bravo. We love our summer house. A show that I think people need to stop sleeping on is Siesta Key. It's on MTV. Okay. It's about a bunch of hot, messy college kids in Florida. It's a mood. It's a vibe. They beat the shit out of each other. They beat each other up. Robbie from The Bachelor is on this current season, season three, because he is so fucking desperado for screen time. He's like 37 years old getting in fights with these college kids. It's hilarious. It's really fucking good. Everyone fights over this guy named Alex, who at one point has his jaw wired shut in season two. He fully looks like Shrek, but everyone's obsessed with him. It's so unclear. Juliet is the hottest person I've ever seen in my life. And she has like early Kristen Cavallari energy. I mean, do not sleep on Siesta Key. I know everyone's shitting themselves over Love is Blind, which by the way, I'm finally done. I slept through like two episodes, but I got the gist, okay? I can't go back now. 
I will address Love is Blind on the podcast at some point. I don't know how much depth I'll go into with it, but I will give you my thoughts. So don't worry on that. But guys, don't sleep on Siesta Key. Turn off this podcast. What? No, I'm kidding. Finish this episode, then watch some Siesta Key and thank me later. Okay, let's get into this week's episode of VPR. So this was a big week for Raquel. Um, I was so fucking proud of her. I, I think Raquel is often, for a good reason, kind of someone we giggle at. She has like this like cartoon doll-like energy. Um, but we saw this week like her really dig into the fact that James is emotionally abusive. And reading those, or watching her read those text messages, between like watching Raquel read those text messages and then watching Rachel Lindsay on Women Tell All read her DMs. I was just like, I am sad. This is another sad week for reality TV. Um, I'll get more into Raquel later, but I really felt for her this week and I was happy. I was really proud of her. Um, more on that later. Charlie revealed that she had a tag tucking journey at Ariana's birthday party. She's like, oh, I tucked the tag on this dress so I can return it later. And I was like, it's a big mood. It's a big vibe that I see. I understand. And I appreciate Charlie is going up the ranks in my books, in my book more and more every week. Also, her distaste for Brett may be my favorite thing this season thus far, just how like literally grossed out she is by Brett. Um, also, like Brett talking shit about Charlie is just infuriating. And I just want to say never trust a man wearing a collarless button up. Like you look like some weird off-brand priest and I'm not interested. Also, I want to say, I throw thick shade at Brittany Cartwright for good reason, but she wore a white top at Ariana's birthday that looked like it was made out of white streamers, nay, toilet paper. But honestly, I loved it. I loved her shirt. It was tasteful. Now, we all know that Brit got dressed for Ariana's birthday party being like, I'm going to wear bridal white because I leave for Kentucky tomorrow. So that's annoying. Like, no one gives a fuck about your bridal white. It's Ariana's birthday party. But... I loved her toilet paper top. Her tits looked amazing. I was into it. Jax then um, at Ariana's birthday party, you know, squashed things with Tom Sandoval. And he's like, oh, man, I squashed things, man. Of course. Of course I want you there. Oh, I was my best man still, of course. Tom Sandoval cries. Tom Schwartz, like, shits himself in relief. Everyone embraces, only to cut to a fully sociopathic Jax in his confessional. Be like, you know, I'm totally not over what Tom did, but. Just do it to shut everybody up. And it's like honestly really heartbreaking seeing just like how happy Tom Sandoval is to be welcomed back into the wedding party. And then to see like in stark contrast, like how big of a bullshitter Jax is. Like, fuck you. His whole life is for the cameras and it's infuriating. Um, Katie continues to be judge. Uh, I'm sorry. Katie continues to be a judgmental juniper about Carter. And I get both sides of this, but her delivery is kind of scary. So, like, I don't know. I don't know. Hi, Kel. My roommate just came home, you guys. We love Kelly. <laughs> we know her. We love her. Go back and listen to our episode where we talked about the holiday like two years ago. Um, so, yeah, Katie continues to be a judgmental juniper. Judgmental juniper is not a real term. I just made it up because they both start with a J-U, and I think it's fun to say. She continues to be such a judgmental juniper about Carter, and I'm like, I get why she's frustrated. I also get why Kristen's frustrated, and I don't want to take sides here because I think they both make valid points, but Katie's delivery is so scary that it's, like, hard for her to have any sort of ethos because she's fucking scary. Like, 
I get why Kristen's like, I don't want to talk to them about this because they're scary. I've said that before and I'll say it again. Um, Also, back to the Raquel and James of it all. For James to say, like, if Raquel had just answered her phone, then he wouldn't have been so triggered. It's just, like, so narcissistic and so fucking insane. And the only reason he doesn't trust Raquel when she's wasted is because he doesn't trust himself when he's wasted. It's called projection. Go to therapy. Learn it. Learn it. Learn about it. I can't speak. Can I ever? Um... Then after uh, Ariana's birthday party, Jackson and Britt get home and she's like, we got to call Lance. And when she's like, we just got to call Lance, like they're on a first name basis with Lance. It just made me roll my goddamn eyes. And then watching Jax slither his tongue around that popsicle just made me sick to my stomach. Um, they also, Lance Bass made an iconic reference to Jesus Christ Superstar, which fully went over their heads, to which I say, go see a musical, why don't you? familiarize yourself because that's a great iconic musical um I love watching the VPR cast navigate anyone who's actually famous because they get so flustered they're like oh hi Lance um but then when they interact with like you know bottom feeders like myself they act like they're hot shit it's really fascinating um I also want to say, so Ariana takes this moment to talk to Raquel in the Sir Alley and address James's abusive text messages and behavior. And Ariana, I just want to say, I want to give her props again for doing a lot of the heavy lifting this season when it comes to addressing like real human problems on camera. Like you go queen. Um, And I appreciated her once again being so fucking raw and vulnerable on camera and offering Raquel some support in that situation. Um, on a lighter note, I was fully here for Charlie and Sheena's single white female journey when Sheena was like, wow, you're really morphing into me. And Charlie's just like, hmm. Um, Charlie fully speaks the truth while Sheena lies about not liking Brett. Oh, that's right. Okay. So Charlie, so we have this little moment where like Charlie, Sheena and Brett are all talking at Sir. And Charlie's like, well, you know, it seemed like Sheena kind of liked you. So I don't know. I was kind of in a weird spot. And like, I kind of just want to like go by girl code and like respect Sheena. And she's like, oh my God, no, I don't like him. Like, I only like him as a friend. And then Brett gaslights Charlie into being like, that date sucked. Like it was stupid and it sucked. And I'm like, you're just being a dick to her because you're embarrassed that Charlie had zero desire to fuck you. Not everyone wants to fuck you, Brett. And then he, he says that he's in the middle of the most disgusting smoothie, a Charlie and Sheena smoothie. And I want to say, I can't think of a smoothie I would like to drink more than a Charlie and Sheena smoothie. A Charlie and Sheena smoothie would be an unclear neon pink. You wouldn't know what was in it, but you'd be like, holy shit, this neon pink smoothie also has edible glitter in it and like gold swirls. And it tastes like cotton candy with a whisper of vodka. And it's delicious. I just want to say, I think a Charlie and Sheena smoothie is the most delicious smoothie on the planet. And I think Brett's dark, like, like misogynistic, like male energy, is like his fragile, like straight male ego. I was just like, I just want to like slap you in the face. Truly. Um, the Kentucky Castle reminded me, I posted this on my Instagram story, but for those of you who didn't see my genius, um, (laughs) the Kentucky Castle reminds me of this very TBD hotel at ISU called the Chateau Hotel and Conference Center. And it was this like shithole hotel that (laughs) was themed to be like a French chateau, but it was just like ugly. Like it was just like printed carpet. It had like a steeple in the front, hence the name the chateau. But like the decor was weird. It was like 
furniture that was like new maybe from the 80s but made to look like it was like old antiques like it was just the tackiest place in the world and my mom and I used to stay there like whenever we visited uh yeah when she would visit ISU before the Marriott was done on campus the Marriott on the ISU campus is delightful if you're ever at Illinois State University visit it I know I talk about college too much I'm working through it in therapy but it was truly like the happiest time of my life anyways So my mom and I would always stay at the Chateau and we would just like rip on it and just make fun of how like kitschy and ridiculous it was. And that's what the Kentucky Castle reminded me of. And Stassi comes in. She's like, oh, my God, it's like Game of Thrones meets Downton Abbey. And I'm like, first of all, have you ever seen another TV show in your life? Like, I'm not trying to rip off Danny Pellegrino. I know he talks about this, too. I really do need her to make some new references. We are exposed to a beautiful wealth of pop culture. We are in the fucking, like, golden age of television. There's so many shows to reference. If you fucking reference Game of Thrones or Downton Abbey one more time, I'm going to lose it. Also, season one Stassi, I'm sorry, season three Stassi, shit on Sheena's pearl wedding crop top. And I just need her to be a bigger bitch. Like, why is everyone so fucking protective of Britney? Can anyone just throw shade just one time? Throw shade at the fact that you're staying at a Kentucky castle called Versailles. You know, I'm not trying to be a snob. Listen, we all know the number of my bank account is a constant and evolving journey. I'm not trying to be a snob here. I'm just saying, like, I need Stassi to bring the bitchiness. It's why we love her. It's what we expect out of her. I'm really sick of this diplomatic, like, sunshine and jelly beans Stassi like give me give me I'm the devil and don't you forget it season one I'm bored um let's see let's see let's see um oh also Jake said the Kentucky castle he first of all Jake's Vanderpump Rules journey he's just fully in you guys he's fully in I can't wait to get him into summer house and below deck but one thing at a time as the Countess Luann once said one day at a time keep it cool and we'll be fine um he also said the Kentucky Castle he's like that looks like a cardboard castle that I played in as a child um Tom Schwartz's excitement about the chairs in the hotel bathroom kind of grossed me out because we all know that Tom Schwartz just like loves talking about bowel movements and like to be honest so do I but he's like are those chairs in the bathroom? And I'm like, what are you going to do with those chairs? Like, what are your plans? Are you going to like play solitaire while Katie poops? Like, what's your plan? My dream room in this whole like hotel scenario was Sheena and Kristen's room. I think they had the most fun. Like, I would love to have a sleepover with both of them. Also, um, it was hilarious when Lala tried to wear a lacy white dress to a wedding event. And I loved how they all just like called her shit out. They're like, you look like an asshole, Lala. And she's like, all right. Um, I have to say though, I once wore a white skirt to my friend Liz's bachelorette party. Like I wore it with like a black and white striped crop top, but like this was like right out of college. I had no idea that it was like a big no-go, excuse me, a big no-go to wear any white in or around a wedding. So like, you know, I want to judge Lala for wearing like an overtly frilly, like white, like Easter looking dress to a wedding event. But like I wore a white skirt to a bachelorette party. So like, sorry, Years later, Liz, I apologize. And um, yeah, you know, we don't all know these things. You have to learn from experiences. Um, Also, Schwartz talks about how Dog the Lizard died. Wow, what a short story arc for Dog, RIP. Schwartz talking about how he had to dig a hole to bury his lizard um, with a hammer because he couldn't find a shovel for his lizard who only survived five minutes. It's just like a mood and a vibe and like, no, Schwartz. 
You'll forever be a seventh grade boy. Brittany yelling, I'm getting married. <laughs> Made me want to die. I was like, bitch, we know. We know. We know. I know this isn't original content. Like, I know we're all on the same page and me and every other podcaster is like over Brittany. But like, I'd be remiss not to just say, bitch, we know. I did live for Mitchell and Christy, the Christopher Guest adjacent wedding planners. Um, uh, Mitchell wore some really fun floral pants. And I appreciated that they both got some screen time. Tom Sandoval, as a groomsman, is full Catherine Heigl in 27 dresses, meets like Mary Fiore in the wedding planner with his best man vibes. Like he's got a fan. He's got an umbrella. He's got like a utility belt with an Evian spray. He's on it. He's ready. Spaghetti. He's ready to go. Um, also, I loved Sheena like wearing a scrunchy top, not to the rehearsal, and then being like, Hey, Brent, you want to have someone like stand in for Randall for the numbers? Like she knows this bridal life. So I loved her like knowing what was up and supporting Brittany through the rehearsal. Um, Jax is more of a bridezilla than Brit, though, because it's like, no, no, sorry. Tom Sandoval is not the number one Tom at this wedding. Tom Schwartz is the number one Tom at this wedding. And I want Tom Schwartz to stand next to me. I'm like, why are you so number one? I'm the number one guy in the group, the number one Tom. Shut the fuck up, Jax. No one wants to stand next to you. No one even wants to be here. And no one wants to watch your wedding. <sighs> Every week I'm in a place of Laura Lee. Um, and then Jax is like, I'm paying for this huge day and I want everything how I want it. Y'all, lest we forget, this is verbatim the sentence he uttered about Britney's tits many moons ago. He's like, I'm paying for them and I want them how I want them. I'm like, well, I'm paying for my Bravo app. And I want this show how I want it. And how I want it is you not on it. Okay? Okay. Technically, I'm not paying for my Bravo app. I'm using my aunt's cable because I'm poor. But you know what I mean. Okay? Um, so poor Sandoval gets demoted. And it's revealed. Okay. So he gets demoted. Sandoval handles it like a champ. But we know it secretly hurt him. And that was hard to watch. We cut to the last scene where um, where James is he's juggling avocados. He's like, I'm a great juggler. Um, and he is also just as over this wedding as everyone else is. And then he and Raquel have a deep conversation over chicken tacos. And Raquel brings up the other night, the text messages and like her getting wasted. And James is like, well, let's not go there. And then James saying, oh, saying that his disrespectful tone is just like, because he's British and it's just like who he is. If you don't like me who I am, then bye-bye. I was just like, that's bullshit. Like, no, you being a dickhole to your girlfriend is not just like a personality trait. It's a choice and you need to like get your shit together. Um, he storms off and then he comes back in. And he's like, I'm sorry. And this scene reminds me of the first scene in P.S. I Love You, which I only watched a few days ago because I'm a huge fan of a very merry iconic podcast hosted by Danny Pellegrino and Jenna Brister. And they recently did a recap of P.S. I Love You. And in the first season of P.S. I Love You, I'm sorry, the first scene of P.S. I Love You, um, Gerard Butler and Hillary Swank get in this big fight and he storms out and then he comes back and he's like, are we finished, love? And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And that's kind of what happened in this scene. James storms out. He comes back in and Raquel's like, there are Al-Anon meetings and like, I need you to go. It's like hard to do an impression of Raquel when she's talking to James about Alcoholics Anonymous and like giving him all this, like she's going to go to meetings. She wants to support him through his sobriety and like, she truly has shown up for him like time and time again. And I just like 
more she's honestly shown up for James more in this one scene than Jax has literally ever shown up for Britney I just want to say and they kind of get to a place where he's like okay I'm gonna stop drinking and I'm gonna go to meetings and she's like great and this scene really warmed my heart and I was like you go Raquel like we all like to like make her the butt of the joke but I thought she showed such like strength and grace in the way she handled this and like good for fucking them and good for James he just celebrated nine months of sobriety on Instagram and I'm really really happy for him um, next week we see Jax getting wasted and the girls partying in onesies. And I'm like, Brittany, after you felt attacked about posting your fucking princesses on Instagram, you're now going to choose to like celebrate the night before your wedding in like a unicorn onesie. Like I, I'm unclear. Um, and then Stassi still clearly hates Kristen with a fiery passion as she has for years. And then we see Dana approach Max about some thought he's like dating on the side. So Good stuff going on Vanderpump Rules. We'll see what happens next week. I can't wait for the freaking wedding to be over. Now let's get into Jersey. Um, I've never recapped a reunion before. So uh, bear with me on this because I feel like it's all just them like talking to each other and Andy being like, well, you know, Jamie from North Carolina says so like bear with me. We'll see how this goes. Um, this reunion looks like it's going to be juicy, though. The theme music literally made my vagina tingly. Um we begin talking about all of Jennifer's surgeries and we find out that David's house is finished, but Dolores is not living in it. He's actually living with Dolores and Frank. We find out Margaret's trying to send her, sell her court a lot, not her house. And Jackie has no regrets from her second season um, on the show. Teresa celebrated for 10 seasons on the show. Um, so those are our little introductions. Then it's revealed that the set is an homage to the first ever Real Housewives of New Jersey set, which is largely viewed as the ugliest set of every Housewives reunion ever, which is not untrue. Um, Andy asks Teresa how Joe's doing, and she says Joe's doing good. And we find out Melissa is thriving in her 40s, and she has a sexy laryngitis-induced, like, raspy voice that I was really into. I want to really quick touch on their looks for the reunion. Um, Jennifer was wearing, she had this like unclear like rainbow earring. It was very like Kesha. So I guess I can't be mad at that. And she had a hoop on the other side. Her dress was like a very popular, it was very popular at Akira circa 2014. And I can say that because I wanted that dress in 2014, but I'm not really into it now. I thought Jackie looked stunning. I loved her hair, that sort of blunt, short, wavy moment she had done. Um, Dolores is so hot, but I, I felt like her dress could have been better. Um, but her styling, like her face and her makeup is just like, she has such, she's just so hot. Like, I love her. Um, Margaret's dress, I liked the color. I wasn't a huge fan of the silhouette, but like, I love her for showing off her titties. She has great boobs. Um, Melissa looks hot, but as two judgy girls once said, she's never met a sequin jumpsuit that she didn't like. And I would agree. I'm like, let's... Let's switch it up. Um, Teresa has a hair chain, which is fun and flirty and kind of cute. But I really hated her murdered ostrich moment um, with her dress. I love a feather moment, but just not like this feather moment. Okay, so we start with seeing um, a montage about Melissa's baby storyline. And Jennifer immediately jumps in by saying Melissa is too self-absorbed to have another baby. And she's like, and he's like, why do you say that? And she's like, well, you know, she had a Melissa themed birthday party and constant selfies and constant. Oh, I'm so cute. I'm so cute. And everyone's like, we don't know. What are you talking about? Like, none of us have seen her do this. And she's like, and he's like, well, who told you she does that? And Jennifer's like, I'm not going to say. And then Jennifer says Melissa is making a mockery out of real people going through trying to have babies through IVF. And she calls out the fake baby storyline and everyone freaks the fuck out. Um, 
I also made a note that Jackie and Melissa leaned hard into the highlighter during this reunion and I was fully here for it. I was like, give me a strobe. I want my face to be a fucking disco ball of highlighter and bronzer. I truly, y'all, I'd really have dreams of like appearing on TV in a like talk show type setting, getting my legs and my body like lubed up with like highlighter and bronzer and body makeup. Like I want Kelly Clorin Ben Simone season three reunion legs on television with like dope shoes. That's the dream, isn't it? Um, so then Andy continues to call out Melissa's supposedly fake storylines, the restaurant, the long lost sister, and then her turning 40 and wanting a baby. And Jennifer doesn't believe that Melissa actually went through with IVF because she doesn't actually want a baby. And I do, I wrote in all caps, I love how much they break the fourth wall in this show. Like Jennifer's like, it was for production. I don't care about your fake storyline. Um, and, you know, Melissa gets heated. Then we return to a listener telling Margaret not to get a boob lift. Fuck what Danielle said. And we see a clip of Danielle being like, she's been ridden hard and so have her titties. And Marge is like, well, Andy, do you want me to wear a turtleneck on this stage? And Andy's like, no. And then Andy asks Margaret about the vineyard vines of it all. And she's like, well, I put away a lot of pair of shorts and I settled that I paid them $300,000. Then we see a montage of Marge Sr. stressing the shit out of Margaret, and it brings Dolores to tears. And Margaret reveals that she had a super, her mom was super hands-off, which we kind of already knew, but she tells us that in high school, her high school boyfriend would sleep over and they would shower together before school. Oh my gosh, I would just watch old episodes of Buffy before school. I mean, Margaret's life seems a lot more interesting than mine at that time. Um... Then Andy brings up the age gap between Margaret and her ex, Jan, 20 years, which is the same age gap as her and Marge Sr. And then Andy volleys the ball over to Dolores and asks her if she's still banging Frank or if she is banging Frank. And Dolores is like, that's not still happening. I haven't had sex with Frank since Frankie was conceived. And then we're shown a montage of Dolores and David's house drama. And Dolores reveals she doesn't want a commitment anymore. She's like, he should want a commitment from me. I would have gotten engaged. I would have gotten married. I would have been an amazing wife. He's not a bad guy. And Jennifer's like, she's settling. That's sort of Jennifer's MO this entire thing. Like, you know, we have Margaret getting raw over Marge Sr. And then we have like Dolores talking about David and Jennifer's like, huh? She just likes to be like, what? Like put in her two cents and everyone gets so fucking annoyed with her by the end of this reunion. Even I got annoyed with her. And honestly, I've been kind of a Jennifer stan this entire season. Um, but so Jennifer's like, she's settling. And Marge is like, can Dolores talk the cried out loud? Shut it. And Jennifer's like, you shut it. And Mar Marge is like, oh, my God. And Dolores is like, you know, we have very good chemistry, but he has, you know, he's been given the chance many times to meet me halfway. You know what? I'm fucking pissed off because I'm a good catch. And it was exciting to see Dolores pissed off and empowered. I was like, you are an amazing catch, Dolores. Like, go get yours. And Andy's like, so who thinks that she should kick David to the curb? And, um... Most of them don't really respond. Margaret's like, I do. Most of them don't respond, which we all means yet, yeah, which we all know means yes. Um, then they asked Jackie, like a listener asked, I can't speak. A listener asks Jackie if she's too fucking sensitive. And she's like, I don't agree. I think, you know, it's important to tap into your emotions and your emotions, emotions and feelings. And then we get a Jackie versus Dolores montage. And we see the iconic, I didn't consider it a loss, Dolores. And then Dolores going, okay, Jackie. Heather from Newcastle addresses how Dolores always calls herself old school and like is like basically like, what the fuck does that mean? Jackie's like, well, you know, I'm more liberal. And then social media said Dolores was anti-Semitic, which I'm like, that escalated quickly. I never even once thought that Dolores was anti-Semitic. I was like, this is shocking. Dolores, you know, was obviously upset by that. 
And then Andy asks Dolores if she considers Jackie a friend now. And she says, yes. And you know, I think Dolores, she knows herself. She's a tough nut to crack. But when you're in, you're fucking in. She kind of reminds me of like Caroline Manzo in that regard. And I'm pretty sure those two are pretty good friends. So it tracks. Um, Jackie says they made an effort to become friends. And then Jennifer made a face. And everyone calls her out on the face. And when they're like, why are you making that face? She's like, it felt very corny to me. And then Jackie's asked who's the best parent. And she says they're all great parents, but great people. TBD. And then we see a parenting montage. And we see Olivia, my little princess, my queen, and her makeup. She's so cute. And this montage just gave me warm fuzzies. Like, I really do love all the kids in Jersey. Um, and then Andy's like, one of the most frequently asked questions on the show is what's going on with Frankie? Is he with Gia? Is he single? And Dolores tells us that he's interviewing for an investment banker job. And I was like, okay, so wait a minute. So wait a minute. Hold the fuck on. You're telling me that Frankie's going to be that sexy. And then he's also going to make that investment banker money. Okay. Look, I'm no gold digger. Okay. But I'm just saying that is I mean, he's perfect. He's the perfect man. And I really do want him and Gia to end up together because I think they'd be a gorgeous couple. And I want Gia to be provided for. And we all know Gia is going to be an amazing lawyer, but they're going to be like a power couple. Like, that's all I want. Ugh. Um, but supposedly he's single um, and not with Gia, which is, you know, it's not what you want, but it is what it is for now. Andy then does a wellness check on Teresa having Gia out of the house. And Teresa's like, you know, I'm happy for her because I wasn't allowed to go to college because, you know, I had strict parents. And Andy addresses how Jennifer said that she didn't know how Margaret was as a mother since she's never seen her as a mother. And let's be honest, they kind of go back and forth with Jennifer's like, what? Like, I, I genuinely didn't know. And it's like, no, Jennifer, the way you said it was like, well, I don't know how you are as a mother. And it's like, there's a tone there. Um, Margaret takes it as full shade, which I agree. I think I read that whole situation as Jennifer throwing thick mother shade at Margaret, which like one way to piss a woman off is to tell her she's a bad mom. Okay. So then we get further questions from listeners. I'm sorry, from viewers about Margaret and her kids. And I was like, honestly, I don't care about any of this. I'm sure she's a great mom. But then Jennifer cuts Margaret off, um, for her because Okay, Jennifer cuts Margaret off because Jennifer's still pissed that, like, Margaret trolled her for being a stay-at-home mother. And Margaret's like, well, you know, she's not exactly the poster child for a stay-at-home mom. She's got an entire staff. And Jennifer's like, and you have Marlene, and you have Marlene. And so it's a split screen, and they're just like, going back and forth. They continue to argue. And then Margaret says that Jennifer goes out goes out a lot on Instagram. And Jennifer's like, it's Insta-sham. It's fake. It's fake. And I'm like... Who cares who goes out? Who cares who has help? Who ca- I, I don't care. I just don't. Like, th- this whole part, one of the reunion was just them, like, ripping each other's heads off. And honestly, largely due to Jennifer being like, meh, and, like, throwing these little sidewinders. And I was just like, who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? Um, then Andy addresses all of Jackie's secrets that she keeps from her friends and family. And we're shown a montage of Jackie's, like, eating patterns and he addresses how social media reacted to her da- Jackie's dad's comments. And she says in his defense, he really didn't know the like deep, dark details of what she went through. And she Margaret's like, you know, I didn't know the depth of what Jackie went through. And seeing Jackie's wedding photos, I just want to say it was really hard. And Jackie said she still struggles, you know, with eating because, you know, anorexia is a disease. It's not something that you just 
cure overnight. It's still something that you struggle with every day. Um, so she talk about she talks about how she had a hard time. She still has a hard time eating breakfast, and she was embarrassed by the footage of her eating quinoa puff chips for breakfast because she doesn't want to set a bad example for her children or for viewers with eating disorders. Then we address Jackie's money, and she says she only kept it a secret because it doesn't define her. And Andy, or like I think a viewer asked how much money she acts actually. Guys, I'm sorry. I'm falling apart. Someone asks her how much money she actually has. And she's like, <laughs> I would never, ever, ever answer that. No, no, no. I would never answer that. And then Jennifer snaps and she's like, be careful, Andy. It's very tacky to ask about people's money. Um, and then a viewer asked Jennifer to do an impression of Siggy Flicker. And she does an impression of Siggy Flicker doing that moment where she's like, that's all I wanted. That's all I wanted. And I'm sorry. I know this is like savage to say, but I totally forgot Siggy Flicker was a person. I was like, oh, hey, Siggy, what's up? Then we see a montage of Jennifer's family issues. We see like footage of Gabby's bullying or like about Gabby talking about her bullying. Um, and then the Uncle Steve storyline with Jen's mom accepting his homosexuality. And then we see that incredible clip of uh, Jennifer's mom like finally fully accepting Stephen for who he is um, when he did that musical theater benefit. And I was just so happy to see that footage again of her crying and telling that she was proud of him. I got goosebumps everywhere all over again. And then we sort of like check in with Jennifer and how everything's going with her brother. And she tells us that all of her children know that he's gay and then we find out that his relationship with his mother has only continued to improve since the show ended and that he invited all of his friends to the 4th of July and she made Turkish food for everyone and they were fully welcomed. And I was just like, this is fucking awesome. Like, I, it was really heartwarming, um, especially given all the darkness on other Bravo shows um, right now. We also find out that Gabby has made new friends and that the bullies at her school were actually embarrassed because everyone know, knew who the fuck they were. And I just want to say, I only wish that my mom had been a real housewife when I was in seventh grade so I could go on TV and tell the world what an asshole Evelyn was to me so that she could see it on TV and feel bad about herself. Sometimes I wonder if Evelyn knows about this podcast, but she hasn't sent me a Facebook message yet. She has blocked me on all social medias though. So like, who's to say? If you're listening, hi. I was happy to see that Gabby is thriving though. She made new friends and fuck bullies. Fuck them. Um, then we are told that Bethany called out Jennifer on social media for not being a comedian because like the caption was like, I'm a comedian in quotes. And then Bethany's like, said nobody funny ever. And Margaret commented back like, truth. And apparently I thought this was just like Bethany like slinging mud for no reason. But it was after Jennifer like very much insulted Bethany on Watch What Happens Live. Um and Jennifer's like, well, she should know her leaving the show is going to have ramifications. And Margaret's like, ha! And then Jennifer mocks her. And I was like, ah! And I was like, this is getting so childish. It's insane. And then Margaret's like, she just takes it to the next level. And Jennifer's like, oh, who cares? You go to the next level all the time. And then we find out that Jennifer and Melissa have not really spoken since the Jersey Shore, since the plate throwing incident. And then once again, we're showing the same fucking footage of Melissa going, we're losers. She's winning. Um, and then we get a question from Cleo from Santa Ana, a viewer. She says, Jennifer, you clearly have diarrhea of the mouth. Do you really have no idea what you're doing or do you just like to stir up trouble? Jennifer's like, well, I just like to say what's on my mind. And then sometimes that stirs up trouble. 
Um, then Dolores stands by her opinion that Jennifer didn't owe Melissa an apology for throwing the plate because it didn't hit her, which I thought was hilarious. I was like, Dolores, like, I mean, yes, you know, the plate didn't hit her though. Like it didn't hurt her. Um, and Jennifer's hypocrisy is called out because Jennifer called out Danielle for being violent. Meanwhile, she throws like silverware and glass at people. And she's like, well, you know, Jennifer stays so iconically composed. She's like, well, you know, with the wine in Miami, I was merely trying to make a point. And Melissa's basically like, okay, but if like glass had flown in my face, like it would have been a big problem. And Margaret's like, well, you know, we might just have to make a pact not to throw anything anymore. And Melissa talks about how she wanted to wring Jennifer's neck. And Jennifer's like, ooh, I'm shaking. And she fully leaned into like a villain moment, this entire reunion. And I was just like, she knows what she's doing by egging these women on. Now, is it irritating imagining being another woman at this reunion and having to deal with Jennifer's like constant comments and like little taunting moments? Yes. As a viewer, I'm loving every second. Um, part one ends with Margaret being like, the outside is gorgeous. It's the inside that sucks. <laughs> and then we see in part two, Andy brings up the Joe Judice cheating rumors. We're joined by the men of the show, which I'm really excited about. The The men carry Bill Aiden onto the stage, which I thought was funny and cute. Um, Teresa reveals that she wants to date a Jewish man next, Teresa Cohen. And Danielle demands to sit next to Andy, which I don't think is going to happen. But I cannot wait for the return of Danielle. I'm really excited for part two. I think part one was pretty good. It warmed us up. It was a little amuse-bouche, but I think next week we're going to get into the real meat of it all. Well, y'all, that's the end of the episode. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for the constant support. I appreciate you all. Again, if you don't follow me already, follow me at Hannah A. Brown on Instagram and Twitter. And tell your friends about the pod. Word of mouth is the fucking best. And I'm so proud of my continuing, my... My ever-growing audience. Y'all are the best. Um, Thank you so much. I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye.